This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. are back folks here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTKA.com Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Wine, Travel on the other side and the MGO Blog Roundtable crew with us this morning to reflect upon a very, very tough tough, tough tough defeat <laughs> because uh, Michigan clearly left some things on the football field lost a game to a a, a good team. I don't want to take anything away from their, uh, their performance. Uh, they deserved it. They, uh, as I've said all week, they've out, they outplayed, they outcoached the, uh, the Wolverines that day. I think Michigan was a better team. All those mistakes and still lost by a possession. Uh, that just feels like one that Michigan let get away to talk about it, to give their uh, takes on it, uh, to look ahead after it. Our good friends from, Go blog starting off first with Brian Cook. Brian, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Phoenix is just a strip mall. <laughs> uh, we have Seth Fisher. Seth, how are you this morning? I'm not tan, unlike everybody else I know right now. <laughs> All right. And then Craig Ross. Craig, how are you? I'm doing fine. I agree with Brian. Uh, Phoenix is a strip mall. And in this case, it was a cold and rainy and muddy strip mall because uh, we went down to Sedona to hike and it was uh, nothing but red mud everywhere. But I like I, I like the desert. It's an interesting place. And aside from the game, it was still fun. So. Yeah, man. And, you know, entering the game with so much joy, optimism and promise. And first series of the game, you're like, ah. Deflation, you know, and it it just was a series of deflating moments it seemed over the course of that game. Brian, kind of take us through your thoughts on on the loss. Well, I mean, you can't really spot a team like TCU with something like twenty one points and then expect to win the game, right? And there are sites out there that will evaluate how much point, how many points a particular game a play was worth. And on three separate occasions, Michigan gave up plays in this game that were worth more than a touchdown <laughs> worth of expectation. That's the two pick sixes, the Mullings fumble, and then the 76-yard touchdown on third and seven. And TCU had a hand in those, right? TCU had their part in, in some of those plays. But you know the goal line fumble, that was all Michigan. Um, and then particularly the second pick six where uh, – McCarthy has Bell open behind uh, his tight end and doesn't see him. It's just like the 
thing that really stood out to me is like just how maximally all Michigan State mistakes were punished. So like you'll get games where you know your quarterback throws an interceptable pass and you know it clangs off a guy's hands or a guy ends up you know making an interception 40 yards downfield and then he's immediately tackled. That was not what happened here. Every time Michigan made a mistake, they didn't get the fumble back. It was a pick six or it was just a I mean, whenever something bad happened, the worst possible version of that thing happened. And I think that's a that's not really up to Michigan so much as it's just up to the bloody mindedness of the universe. <laughs> right? It's that. Yeah. I mean, like, you're allowed to have a, an incompletion, not an interception that could, it gets returned for a touchdown. And, like, they had two fumble, they had a fumble and two interceptions as well. But, you know, like Brian said, when you look at those calculators, you can see how much the game swing. And it's a huge, huge swing to go from first and goal on the one. And I know that should have been a touchdown. There's no reason to overturn that. But that was like already 90% of a touchdown, right? If you're first to go on the one, you should have your expected points at that point are almost seven. And then you fumble into the end zone and they get the ball on the 20. Their expected points are now one. So now you have an expected point swing of like more than a touchdown. And that's what's yeah. happening to Michigan. Like anytime a little, you know, you can throw an interception. That happens in games. It sucks. It, it's a big <coughs> swing. But it's supposed to be a four-point swing, not an eight-point swing. And they didn't have enough of those against a team like TCU. You you end up with, you know, the remarkable thing is if you take those plays out of this game, the way this looks, because Michigan was actually playing pretty bad, and then they played outstanding. And, you know, the the fumble, and this, it, it just it looks so weird because Michigan came back so quickly at the end of the third. Um, but it... It was not a. Uh, it, the game was not really like that. The game was Michigan played badly, then Michigan played better. Michigan probably played well enough to win, but not well enough to win if you have twenty points of swing in it. Yeah, right. I. I uh, it was a very frustrating game. The most frustrating thing to me was how much we shot ourselves in the foot. So yeah, I mean the the touchdown to uh, was I think it was Wilson. That was put on, put on the half yard line was an abject absurdity, but Michigan then makes it worse by, for some reason, ru reason rushing to get on the field to make a play, uh, which I didn't understand at all. I mean, I know I may be a minority. I hate being under center at the, on the goal line, unless you're going to run a quarterback sneak. I hate being under center because you see these fumbles all the time, uh, especially with teams who aren't generally under center. And the whole thing was just curious to me. Okay, we got a bad call, but it's still first and goal at the half yard line. Uh, what are we doing here? And and the and and the game had lots of that. It seemed like to me uh, a lot. You know, in the second half, the big play in the game, we're down forty-one thirty-eight. We have a third and eight, I think, or third and seven, and uh, we blitz. We have a safety blitz. It's all out. We're in cover zero, and and more blitzes. He almost gets to the quarterback, but doesn't quite. And then the uh, quarterback, and then the cornerback loses leverage on the wide receiver and lets him outside 70 yard touchdown. And now you're really behind it on a, in a game where all, all the momentum was going your way and you have the ball down three with plenty of time on the clock. So it just seemed to me like we did it mostly to ourselves. Uh, 
you know, it. I don't know what to make of this game. It, it sure was weird. On the one hand, it, it felt like we didn't play very well on offense, yet we scored 39 points in the second half. Well, yeah, and, they didn't yeah, play well on offense in the first half, for sure. Yeah, obviously. and the first half, we, don't, uh, we decide J.J. doesn't have any legs. In the second half, we decide he does have legs, and all of a sudden, the, you know, the offense is just cooking. Uh, it's just... It's just a strange game. I I don't get it. Still, maybe yeah, I, maybe I, I once felt, I look at the tape, I will. I, I felt like, uh, of course, the pick sixes. You, you pointed those, but you know, watching their their two, uh, you know, those two first uh, opportunities from the you know inside the two yard line. You mentioned the hurry up and the fumble, and then the yeah. Philly special. Uh, and the other one, just a couple of out of care. I just, I mean, why not run the you, why not run the fumble ruski? Yeah, I to play the TCU ran, which Michigan, which yeah. they got from Michigan against Ohio State, with a running back just lead blocks for the quarterback, and you yeah. run it right in. They walked right in on that one, and that's a really hard play to defend because you end up with a safety on the quarterback, and in the end, your safety has to get to the backfield and bring him down with momentum. It's a very hard play to defend, and like the okay, you run the Philly special. If you run the Philly special, there's a there's a guy you have to watch. And there's like a whole NFL film on this. Like, you know, you have to check this guy before the play, whether you're if you're going to run that play. And that guy was out there. So they didn't have like, ah, there, there are some fundamental things that they got wrong in this game that were really frustrating just because they were already very present of mind. If, if your mind was in the, if you're going to run a fullback dive at the goal line, TCU just failed like that. Why did they lose the Big 12 championship? Because they couldn't get a fullback dive into the end zone. Like, if you're going to play without a safety, gosh, when have we seen that lately? Like these, these are themes that are very present of mind right now that Michigan messed up. Yeah, I guess I don't even have a problem with the, with the fullback dive per se, but the, the hurry up aspect of it uh, made things unnecessarily difficult. And then the, the Philly special just, just was for, to, come out, to come out with an ISO of all plays, right? Uh, because that was the, that was the thing that, our guys are saying on film, like it's very, very tough to run up the middle on, on these guys. Uh, but they come out with an ISO and then get in the in the red zone and and run the Philly special. Uh, you come out on the next series and you and you run the fullback dive, but you do the the hurry up before it's like I just it, it, just the coherence of some of the things didn't quite add up in the first half. They found it, Brian. They you know again. Attacking the edges, that became a real thing. Hitting them with counters and involving JJ in the run game. Those things started to pick up toward the tail end of the first half and picked up steam uh, in a big way in the second half. Play action off of it. It just took them to halftime to start doing that stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I write these previews expecting that, you know, <laughs> the coaches are also watching the opposition. And I was just baffled at. Like, because I expect that they're going to put a lot of stuff out there that they haven't put out before, and they're not just going to run into the teeth of, of this defense that is set up to defend inside zone, and that's what they do for a half. And JJ's first carry is like, what, it's deep into the third quarter? Like, three quarters of this game are almost gone before you use your quarterback's legs as a weapon, and it's just incredibly frustrating. Because, like, what... <laughs> What are you saving J.J. McCarthy for at this point? Like, we know that when we run J.J. McCarthy, he's very productive, and he also opens up everything else in, in, in the rush offense. And this is not the 
time where it's like, well, what if JJ McCarthy gets hit? Like that, that's, that's for Maryland. That's for Rutgers. It's not for a playoff game. So I was just extremely frustrated. And then as soon as they start doing it, it's like, oh yeah, that works. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> that's a pretty good play. And it opens up other stuff for your offense. And then I think the other thing is that TCU, like at some point they're getting beat so bad deep that you expect them to back off and they just never do. Right. And so I think there's, there's a tendency. I mean, they should have run that flea flicker back to back. They should have kept running the flea flicker until it didn't work because they were so dedicated to getting downhill against Michigan's run game that yeah, they'd hit the big plays and then they score touchdowns and then they'd be like, all right, well now, now we got to do something else. They didn't have to do something else. They could have just kept doing it. Um, and I kind of understand why you would assume that someone would back off. TCU does not care. Um, but I mean, if you're looking at it overall on the offense, they scored what, what was it, 45 points and they gave away a touchdown on the one yard line. Like that's not bad. I mean, they did have 18 drives, so you got to think right. about that. So they gave away two touchdowns. Okay, wait, yeah. two touchdowns, man. Well, fourth and two is not exactly first and goal from the one. So that, that was a little bit dodgier, I guess. But to, uh, <clears throat> I mean, they gave, and when they gave up those touchdowns, they had opportunities to have the opposition start at their one or two yard line. And they didn't have that happen either. Yeah. Like yeah. that's a major, that's a major factor in why you go for it in those situations is because the yeah. ensuing drive is usually burning a couple of downs and then you're in third and seven. So, yeah, it's just you know. Yeah, that was I one of the reasons. That was another reason why I didn't like that. That I, I I'm not opposed to trick plays, but I, I want my quarterback handling the ball in in that in that situation. And Coaston Loveland first, Coaston was hung out to dry because your running back goes the complete the wrong, wrong way on the play, leaves the end to blow up field and blow up the play. I don't know that it would have scored if the running back goes the right way on that play, but certainly. Colston would have had more of an opportunity, but man, to your point, Brian, I mean, you, you want to chuck it up in the end zone or something at that point. Uh, if, even if it's incomplete, uh, it, you know, they get the ball to the two yard line and the, and the complexion of, of that next series for you defensively looks, looks somewhat different. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, there's a combination of frustrating things that I think the coaching staff did frustrating things that the players did. And then just a lot of, like bottom of the barrel variants for Michigan in this one. So it's extremely frustrating. I don't think it really says a whole lot. Like there are people after the two semifinals who are like, this is a referendum on the big tennis. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you you, you lost by like the tiniest margins in these crazy games against good teams. It's like, that's not, that's not anything. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a tough. That's that's the thing as I look at this game, and it sounds like you guys are the same way. You know, all losses are tough to take. This was in this tougher because you know, I mean, you know, if Michigan plays a, a, a game half as sloppy as this is the sloppiest game of the year, if they make, you know, one or two fewer mistakes and a cacophony of mistakes, they win this game. That's a they're a better football team than TCU, but TCU was a better football team that day. I mean, yeah, it's hard to talk about these little plays, right? Like there are a lot of. There are a lot of things that are coming out as I watch the film, like, oh, man, Upshaw did not have his best game, right? But those are, like, plays that are, like, 0 0.3 points that swing, where there's these huge swings that I just, like, it, it's hard to even focus on the little minutia of the game because the big things just change the game so dramatically. Yeah, I mean, I wonder what you thought 
about us defensively uh, in this one. So, I mean, it felt like the linebackers were catching blockers over and over. And was that something structural problem with our linebackers? I mean, what did you see there? The linebackers have been the linebackers all year. They're not big guys. Mm-hmm. So the line is supposed to protect them. And mm-hmm. it was weird. I didn't see as much Mason Graham this game. I, I, he was in there uh, more than I – but, like, I, I wonder why they kind of went away from him a little bit um, because he's been maybe he's been better at Jenkins, actually, at, uh, at protecting the linebackers. So when that's a problem, you kind of want that guy in there. I mean, there was some um, baffling. They had Cam Good in there in the third quarter. Yeah, they had Good in more than Mason Graham. And I was like, he hasn't played all year. Like, what is, what are we doing here? And then they get gashed for 15 yards pretty much immediately, and Good leaves the field. And I'm like, what? What was that? Fifty yards because they did well, mosh rush and like then and the and good can't get to the quarterback he gets out of his lane and yeah well then there's a fifteen yard run right after that mm-hmm. and then we we haven't even discussed the <laughs> Jamon Green corner blitz where nobody else thought a corner blitz was on oh, in terms wow. of just like yeah. huge mistakes I mean I was watching that they tip a blitz and they're checking and. Someone didn't get the check. I don't know if it was yeah. green or the safety or whatever, but yeah, you, you go into this game and you just, you know, you have this huge team wide mental implosion. And it's really hard to like deal with, it, like, in terms of like analysis. It's like, well, don't do any of that ever. <laughs> <laughs> right. I well, mean, the worst you could possibly play. That's the uh, thing. Like, oh my God. I mean, every. Every kind of mistake you can yeah. make in this like game, they made. It's like you walked into the bathroom and your kid pooped on the floor, and you're like, "Well, what are the coaching points here? There's no coaching <laughs> points. There's just clean up." I mean, you're right, right, Brian. On that play with with the Jermon Green blitz, if you uh, Green keeps looking back over his shoulder, he keeps looking back to make sure that the safety has come come behind him. To, to check the wide receiver and the safety meanwhile has, keeps moving away from him he's rolling up to cover one he's doing he's, yeah. he's running into something running completely different right and, and green keeps looking like what 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 and then he blitzes and then it's a touchdown or whatever it was a big it was, it was, it was like 60 yards or whatever yeah but, yeah please. ironically that wasn't even one of the bigger swing of plays <laughs> like when I looked at the <laughs> list of plays that didn't even make the top 10 of what of what a game of plays that swung this game but tipping their blitzes was a problem all game, and they they never they never changed the timing on that. Every single you know they'd line up, TCU would make a they and they'd give away their blitzes every single time. So they were having a hard time getting pressure, even though they're bringing more guys than they brought pretty much all year, uh, because they get caught right. They, and they they know everyone knows exactly where everyone's coming from. They didn't change things up. You know if if TCU paused and said okay we need to change things, then Michigan would make a call, but. Their blitzes were so ineffective because they kept on tipping them. And that timing is supposed to improve as the game goes on, and they didn't change it at all. Oh, and I we haven't I even talked something. about Ozzy Smith getting a free run at Max Duggan and then just oh, freezing. Uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Jeter Colson at the beginning of the game, too. It's like, it was like a team-wide complete meltdown. And yeah. it's like, what do you what do you do with that? What do you like? How are you supposed to like analyze anything ever? Yeah, when this it's is, just like, uh, you know, ah. what you're hitting at is this was a, it was a total team loss. I mean, you you can't you can't put it all on player mistakes. 
Uh, you can't put it all on, on coaching strategy. It was equal parts of both, uh, in my opinion. The offensive strategy in, in the first half, uh, you know, the defensive strategy in the second half, the, the mistakes on the field throughout. Uh, and yet, this is why you keep coming back to, and yet they still lost by a touchdown. It's like you make all those mistakes. Yeah. You lose by a touchdown. Man, you're a better team than that. That's why it is so tough to sit here and look at that team going to the national championship game. The only thing that gave me some semblance of comfort <laughs> is that Ohio State's not going to win a national championship. Because if Ohio State yeah. had pulled that out, Ohio State be, would be winning the national championship this year. And there's just something not right about that. Fortunately, well, the football guys aren't that mean. Yeah, man, I don't. You put Lace and Ransom up against that passing game. I don't know about. <laughs> well, those dudes aren't covering anybody either. I mean, they were getting oh. run, 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 run by left and right. They couldn't cover Michigan. Oh, my God. It, uh, don't even give me a start. Well, it was a safe. Like, their outside corners, Michigan did a pretty good job of avoiding them. And then the pick six is, like, some by a guy named Bud Clark. Like, Guy named Bud Clark shouldn't be able to intercept anything. He should be he should be running a Radio Shack. <laughs> How are we getting beaten by Bud Clark? Yeah, the, the first the first interception he was late. Uh, yeah. The the second interception he just, he just didn't threw it to the wrong guy. Yeah, he just did. He he locked onto a guy. But you're allowed to throw interceptions that don't turn into pick sixes. Well, like, I mean, that's that, what both that, teams, like Michigan got a. Uh, pick six from not pick six a pick from rod moore and that was a great play big big swing play michigan gets it at the 50 and you go and look in and the epa stuff and it's 2.9 mm-hmm. instead of eight right. <laughs> right. eight right and that's yeah. why it's hard to talk about the rest of minutia i mean you, we have to give some credit too you can you don't lose a game like this that you play you're playing so terribly in the first half and making all these mistakes and actually have a chance to come back and win at the end without actually doing some incredible things J.J. McCarthy in the second half looked like a playoff-winning quarterback. Except for the mistake. Okay, but, other, <laughs> okay, but you only have like one mistake. No, he's not supposed to be maximally punished. <laughs> I mean, he's a true sophomore, and so you go back and you think about the things that Michigan was doing this year. And they have this ground game that's very punishing and all that stuff. But, it, I mean, do we feel that like maybe they leaned into that too much? And there were opportunities for Michigan to get JJ the ball in situations where he might have thrown this pick six against a different team and it wouldn't have mattered against that team. But like in terms of just like live fire reps, you know, Blake Corum got a lot. Blake Corum didn't get to this game. JJ McCarthy may not have gotten enough. And then when you go back to the quarterback run game, it's like, who are you? Like, what, what are you? Are you a quarterback run team? And Michigan kind of was in certain games, but you know, in terms of just like, is this part of our identity? I think you have to say the answer was no, and I think that was a, a pretty big waste uh, once you got to the big stage because you took three quarters before you actually put the ball in his hands on the ground. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think you're, what you're pointing out is the I mean, we we've talked about the, all the player errors that we saw on the field. The the, co- the coaching miscalculation for for them was twofold. Uh, you know, I think they came into this game thinking we could. We can bully these guys. We can bully their down three. We can run it up the middle on this team, and they get the they get the ice out out the gate. Yeah. And I think that that sort of reinforces that that notion. And uh, TCU was able to show them, no, you can't, no, you can't. You aren't going to run on us like that. Now you can run on us, and Michigan eventually did. 
attacking the edges, and this is the other miscalculation. Second best running back on this team uh, when Blake Quorum is out is J.J. McCarthy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's your second best running back, and it took him too long to get to that. It took him too long to get to that. Yeah, and I, I don't know how you watch that Penn State game and you don't come away thinking, like, this needs to be a major feature of our first half. Because they got so discombobulated that in that Penn State game because McCarthy had a couple of runs that were looking like they would break big, and it just totally changed what Penn State was able to do on defense. And so, to me, even if McCarthy gets a couple of runs in the first quarter that don't really go anywhere, that just changes the profile of what you can do, what TCU can do. And I just, it's, I, I just went into this assuming that it was a big game and they were going to bring them out, and then that the texture of this game was going to be different, and they did not. They, so there's, to that point, uh, in the Penn State game, Michigan had a lot of things early that then Penn State reacted to, right? And then they, they, challenged, and they beat Penn State on the reaction. There are a couple things in here that I think I've noticed, and I'm going to, I have to get the film view out before I can really talk about this on radio, but the, I think Michigan might have been setting some things up, and then they couldn't, you know, they couldn't use it because they get to the end of the game, and it's like, well... First of all, they they were scoring quickly when they did score, so like they they had very few plays on their drives, and then also you know you're down 21 points or you're down you know, you, have, you have to th- you have to throw the ball, and as soon as they started throwing the ball, McCarthy was actually pretty on too. So you know you get the flea flicker, and it's like okay, well, what was the next play if that didn't work, right? Like there are a lot of things that they probably had prepared. Another flea flicker. <laughs> so there you go. Once that's working, like you, you, you maybe kind of go away from some of the things you were setting up, because at that point, no one's like, "Oh, what happened to us in their first quarter?" It's like, you know, I mean, that, I that don't, I don't know. Rails. I feel like it's early in the game. You got to establish JJ's legs, because then, you know, we've seen it. We saw it in the Ohio State game. They established JJ's legs in the second half, and what happened on those two long runs? Well, there were guys dedicated to JJ McCarthy. And there were mistakes made because people were worried that McCarthy was going to keep the ball. And he didn't do any of that until the third quarter of this game. And I just don't understand. And I yeah. think that's something that you need to really have a, like, if you're looking at ways in which the coaching staff needs to have like a hard look at what they were doing this year and what you know, ended up not being quite good enough. I think, you know, the excessive conservatism with McCarthy over the course of the year uh, leads to situations where maybe he doesn't have enough experience doing various things uh, to lead you to a victory in this kind of game. Now, he did a lot of great things. He sh- certainly showed a ton of promise. He was you know, fast when at, 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 asked to keep the ball, and he was on point downfield, but some some big mistakes. Yeah, I think uh, you know it's one of those things that if you had to do over again. They would just Jim admitted after the game about that uh, the the Philly special. He said, "Yeah, put put that on me that we we do something different." I think they run JJ out the gate. I think they attack the edges more. They run JJ out the gate. That yeah. it's a different ball game if you're able to control the game running the football. It's a Big Twelve game by the time they get to yeah. it, right? You got to come from high. You're still running the football, but. Hey man, it's gonna be back and forth. It's gonna be up and down. It's gonna be the kind of game they want to play. Whereas if you start out the game, you establish the run, you oppose your way. Maybe down the line, maybe you can run it up the middle after you've worn them out a little bit, right? But it's not that kind of game because of the way that they started out. They still had a great chance, and I definitely got to give JJ 
uh, give the offense a lot of credit for the resi- resiliency. They kept bouncing back uh, under extreme circumstances, but now you got to stop the other squad, and that got increasingly hard to do to your your point, Seth. Uh, you know, whether it's they're tipping their blitzes or not getting home, not making a tackle in the open field, whatever the, whatever the case may be, my biggest issue with, with them in this game uh, was they couldn't stop the run. They couldn't no. stop the run. No, that was, I mean, that was, you know, I think my predictions about how Michigan's ground game was going to go was more about, like, the coaches not taking advantage of J.J.'s legs, but I was just baffled by, like, I I watched them. I was like, this is what Minnesota, it would look like if Minnesota was playing in the Big 12. That turned out to be fairly accurate. Yeah. <laughs> they moved some people, and it was, uh, you know, I don't think Mike Morris was anywhere close to 100%. Because Mike Morris was not getting Mike Morris's 100% snaps. There were way too many snaps where he's out of the game and guys who are not at his level were playing. And he didn't have any impact in this game. So I think, you know, all that talk from practice was probably just uh, snowing people and that he was significantly hampered in this game because he he really did not have much impact. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. The the, the the grass kind of changed things a little bit too, and I Michigan unfortunately couldn't take advantage because they couldn't just get their guys on them. But when an offensive player in this game actually hit a defensive player, that guy just moved because no one could get any purchase. No one could like anchor in and and like you can watch. There's a couple of plays where Morris gets his feet below him. He's anchored in, and then he's just sliding down. He's like a sled and. I don't know if, like, you guys said it was a little rainy there. I wasn't at the game, but, like. Not on that field, Seth. It w- it was rainy, but I, I think the field was dry. The, well, it's the, covered. The, yeah. roof was the roof was closed. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, like, I mean, it was, it, it looked, I mean, there were people slipping all over the place. Like, it was, it yeah. looked like a more slippery field. I mean, it was just, like, the. It's a completely grass, bizarre yeah. situation because it's, like. They have this field that sits outside the stadium, and then they like port it in. It in. Games. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'm like, dude, have you guys heard of field turf? It's pretty good. <laughs> like, what is the reason for this? And people are slipping all over the place. And there were a couple people on Twitter who were remarking that this is like a a pretty constant thing at the Fiesta Bowl. Is that the last time they had a CF uh, a playoff semi there? It was just a disaster because people couldn't. They couldn't get any grip. So, I mean, what's the point of that exactly? Does anyone know what the point of having? I I mean, I I know the players prefer natural grass. They do. Okay. Players prefer natural grass. It was a big thing uh, about it from one of the teams this year. Uh, They were talking about, hey, you know, we, we, this league is so rich. Why isn't there, you know, natural grass uh, across the, across the NFL? I'm, like you, Brian. I was like, man, field turf seems seems like a a revelation to the sport, right? Yeah, turf was when it was really bad, but yeah, I, I would be interested to know if there is a a tangible difference in injury rates uh, on natural grass versus field turf. But the players seem to think there is, at least based on some of the comments that that I've read. So. I mean, old you know. Michigan guys talk about it because, like, they used to use the dirt to, like, you know, like I get out there and I rub my hands with it, and then I feel like I'm playing football. Like they, they have those kinds of feelings, but you know, the, well, yeah, the field turf works. By, <laughs> by the time they installed the, the field turf at Michigan Stadium, they tried grass there for about a decade, and it was yeah. a fiasco. Yeah. yeah. So 
Yeah. Like, all right. So I'm gonna give you guys some ch- a chance to collect yourselves because we gotta talk hardball rumors, right? People are asking in the comments. Do we? <laughs> we do. We do. It is our duty to talk about. Can you just put on like a recording of last year's version of this and we'll <laughs> say the same so, stuff? So I will get you guys. I'll get your take on on the latest with those rumors where you think things will go uh, with Michigan's head man on the other side. Stay tuned for that here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK. The ticket says did TC5 manhandle our line. I think the 335 definitely gave Michigan problems. There were so many run-throughs in this game. Um, there were times where it wasn't necessarily getting manhandled if you aren't even touching a guy. Like, not knowing who to block was an issue. It, it felt like they had a free hitter a lot. They did. And, and uh, I don't know if that well, they were was... Just charging downhill on everything. Like Right, which seems like you beat that with, I don't know, play action, flea flickers. flickers. I mean, yeah. when when and when they did do that, that was that stuff was absolutely wide open. And then they, yeah. you know, every time they went back to it, it was just like we're not changing what we're doing. And I was like, okay, but yeah, <laughs> if you just get someone checking JJ, then it's a different situation because then one mistake right. at six. Yeah, that's right. And, and in the second half, uh, Michigan did have those big plays uh, because I don't think TCU changed. Well, think about what TCU is designed to stop. They're they're created to you know for those Big Twelve offenses that run that they run air raids and then they run inside zone, and that's how you. I mean that that is the way to defeat inside zone because you're looking to get your guys released, get them downfield, get them to the linebacker level, and they get to the linebacker level and no one's there because everybody's already flung past them. If they ever got a block, that block went great. They just it was getting their guys hooked on to you know it was making those connections in the first place. And that's what TCU is built to do. Yeah. yeah. Someone said, uh, I got to go back to say that, you know, Michigan needs to find a, a backup for Donovan Edwards. I, that is absolutely true. <laughs> that is absolutely true. hundred yeah. percent. That, that, that showed up in this game. Maybe they can Big get that time. Blake Corm guy to come back. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, look, it's, it's this way. It's, it's more possible than I initially thought. Like he is, Seriously contemplating coming back. Um, Would you, you know, take I think Blake the talk, or Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> I, that's, I don't think that's a choice you even have to. <laughs> you may not even have to make a choice there. You may you may get them both. Yeah. <laughs> um, back on radio in about thirty seconds. But but Blake, you know, I think is really seriously measuring his draft stock. I think about it is I just don't know he can. I, I don't know he'll suffer. He's going to be any better. He, yeah, I mean he's. He he can run for twenty five hundred yards next year, and he's going to be the same Blake Corum that. that yeah, he and I don't know that his his, his stock, good. Yeah, I don't know that his stock suffered much from missing the last couple of games. Like, it, is he going to go from being a third round pick to? No, I mean no. I don't. I don't, I mean I think the calculation. My God, like, if he's going to be a third round pick next year or a third round pick this year, maybe he wants to stay at Michigan, get paid as much as he would. Back on radio in five, four, three. And we are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider. We were talking in the break real quick with the Ingo Blog Roundtable. Brian, I want to give you a chance to finish your thought. We were talking about Blake Corum and the possibility of of him coming back. And I I commented during the break that I just don't know that his his stock was harmed much by missing the final couple of games. And I don't know that it can improve that much by 
uh, you know, whatever he does next season. And and you were responding to that, Brian. Well, no, I, and I agree with that. Uh, I, th- I think that his draft stock is probably what it is and what it will be. And so for Corum in the NIL area is that it's possible that Michigan could come up with a package that is better than uh, what a third or fourth round NFL rookie is going to make, which is around 850K. Um, and then, yeah, he delays getting to that second contract a year. But to me, that's maybe not that big of a sacrifice because um, if he's getting the the NIL at Michigan, then the financial gap there is significantly smaller. It's about you know the guarantee you get in years two and three or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but I, I feel like the logical thing if all you care about is maximizing your earnings is to go to the nfl but it's close enough now that it feels like if a guy just likes college likes his team likes the idea of coming back with jj mccarthy and and donovan Mm -hmm. edwards and having a real good team next year then i I think it's it's feasible that he would return yeah i mean and he's not a pure dollar and cents guy uh quorum you know he on some of the, we know that some of his NIL money has been given away, uh, a, a chunk of it. And so he's not going to be looking strictly at, at dollars and cents. I think Sam said something earlier this morning about, or maybe it was Ira, about if you're winning the Powerball, maybe you're not showing up tomorrow. And I'm thinking, eh, if I'm winning the Powerball, uh, I probably am. And, you know, and so people just have different mindsets about these things. So, so what does the NFL stand for? Not for long, right? And that's yeah. that, that's always been the thing of the NFL is once you get there, your focus has to be on getting that guaranteed money. And that's and these guys are smart now and they get good advice nowadays, so they understand the finances of the NFL. I think right. college football now that you can actually use NIL to, you know, get in that market is they they have an opportunity to provide something the NFL does not provide, which is security. Michigan has a use for Blake Corum all the way down the line. People are going to want to meet Blake Corum. People are going to want to have Blake Corum around. They can say to him, look, it's not just up front. They're not just talking about, like, you know, 850 or whatever it takes, right? It could be, look, you come around for one more year. You graduate from here. You do four years here. Anyone who does four years here and has an opportunity to go to the NFL and didn't, it's going to have some sort of security from Michigan no matter what happens to you in the NFL. And we can provide those opportunities because your value to Michigan is already established. Blake Corum's name is going to be remembered here, and it might not be wherever he goes in the NFL. Yeah, let's get to the uh, the Harbaugh talk, uh, guys. Uh, that is uh, definitely a prevailing uh, theme in the comments here. Uh, yesterday, there was it was it yesterday the report out of Charlotte, Ira, where. Uh, the the owner from the, late Tuesday night, yeah, late Tuesday night owner from Carolina Panthers reportedly had a conversation with Jim. Uh, there was a quote in the Queen City, whatever you call that paper, where he said, "I think I'll be the coach of Michigan next year." No man knows the future. Something along those lines. Uh, I'm curious what you guys think, what you think his his the future holds for for Jim Harbaugh. And I'll start in reverse order. Start with you, Craig. Well, a number of years ago, I went to Omaha and talked to Warren Buffett. Uh, So what? Warren Buffett wasn't hiring me uh, unless he was looking for a driver or something like that. Uh, 
so just talking to someone doesn't mean much. I believe uh, Harbaugh will be back next year. He told us he'll be back next year. I doubt if any of this noise is coming from Harbaugh or even people around Harbaugh. My guess is this noise is coming from the NFL because it's in their interests. Uh, and so I don't know. Harbaugh's most recent comment, uh, you know, saying who knows basically, but yeah, I mean, I guess there could be Godfather offers that might be appealing to him, but I think uh, Harbaugh's back at Michigan next year. That's what he told us. And I don't think there's any reason to believe anything else. Great. I mean, Seth, I mean, if Harbaugh was not interested in the NFL offers, he would have shut them down. He would not have said, I don't, you know, I, he would not be saying what he's saying. He would have said, no, I'm coming back to Michigan next year unless someone gives me a piece of the team or so. You don't have to say it in those words, but there are ways to shut down those rumors that he hasn't shut down. So obviously, he's still interested in going to the NFL. Is he interested in going to the NFL this year? Would it take an incredible offer? Is the NFL going to give him those kinds of offers? The, the ridiculous numbers coming out of Denver right now, we're like, oh, we would offer you know $25 million a year to Sean Payton and we'd offer $20 million a year to Jim Harbaugh. That is just insanity to me, right? Like, or, or the guy who said, oh, you know, Jim Harbaugh is not interested in Denver because he doesn't want the competition because that, that division's too hard. Jim Harbaugh says something to you about the competition level's too hard. Okay. Uh, I believe that, right? So, like, some of the NFL reporting on this is just completely out of whack. Now, if someone does offer... $25 million a year. No college football team is going to offer that. And I think Jim does have to think about eventually the fact that NIL changes the market because you're now in the same market as your players for that same money. It comes from the donors. It's going to go into uh, collectives, and then the collectives go to pay out NIL. And that is now coming from the same people going to the same people. So if you want to get your contract in college what football, is Jim the coach should do it. Do with, what is Jim Harbaugh going to do with more money? Yeah, like, that's he's, he's going to buy more khakis. Jim Harbaugh doesn't really care about nine kids money. for life. I don't know. Like he's already, he's got, already got that. He's already got he's, that. Like the money doesn't. If Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL, it's not going to be because of money. No, it's because yeah, someone gives him that to, kind of control. He wants, he wants to win the Super Bowl, and that's what he wants to do. The problem is, is that the current jobs that are open are the Colts, stinks, which were run by Jim Ursay. Mm-hmm. Who people say made a quarterback change this 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 year? <laughs> uh, um, Denver, who's saddled to Russell Wilson and has no draft picks for the foreseeable future, and then Carolina, which is actually a reasonable opportunity. So you know, I, I feel like we'll we'll know in the near future. And I mean, at some point, if you're Ward Manuel, you got to be like, you told me this wasn't going to happen every year. I don't know what his leverage is here because you're not going to fire Jim Harbaugh, but this recruiting class that Michigan just brought in does not correspond to a recruiting class you'd expect from a college football playoff team. And I think Harbaugh flirting with the NFL has a lot to do with that. And I think if it happens again, well, then we're going to be stuck on this treadmill and we're not going to be at this championship level for very much longer. So I think I, I think when you parse his comment, which we all, I mean, it's easy to see that he's not closing the door on his dream. I think you, I think you stated correctly, Brian, that he has a dream of winning the Super Bowl, just like he has a dream of winning the national championship. I don't think he's to Craig's point. I don't think that he's the one chasing it though. I don't think that he's the one 
putting this out there. I, I, I disagree with the notion that there are sources that are saying Jim Harbaugh is out of here. The minute NFL, I don't think anyone around him in his orbit, and certainly not him directly, are out there saying that. But if a team came to him and made him an unbelievable offer, do I think that there's a, a very good chance that he would he would take it? Yeah, and, I, and I'm not even one that thinks that he would shy away from. Think about every team that he's taken over was a team that was in, in either from San Diego to Stanford to to San Francisco to Michigan. All of them were were teams that needed to be rebuilt. Uh, and he did so in each instance quickly, right? So I just don't think that that kind of thing uh, turns him off. But I, I think he is so happy with the the state of the program. He may want to see some different things happen uh, with the pacing of, of NIL, right? Uh, but I think he's so happy with the, the way things are now that it would take a monster opportunity, a monster opportunity in terms of offer control. Uh, who's he working with? I think it would take a, an unbelievable combination of things to get him to go. Now, are teams more willing to offer that combination this year? Sure, but I think short of that, he's going to be the coach at Michigan next year, which is why I think it's overwhelmingly likely that that's exactly what will happen. That he'll be Michigan's coach next so, season. So make it make sense to me. Why is uh, why why is somebody telling Bruce Feldman? Why is Bruce Feldman, who's a, somebody who's not a joke, right? Why why is he reporting? Somebody's telling him Harbaugh would leave at the drop of a hat. I don't know. I don't know. Har Harbaugh has an agent now. That's it. That's who it is. It's the agent because nobody else would say that. Right. <laughs> okay. I, I look. I'm not. I'm not questioning his his credibility. I, I guess we got to question who, what constitutes the source close, right? So if we're, are we talking about like his circle? No, we're talking about his agent because literally no one else would say that about Jim Harbaugh. Right. Because nobody else who knows Jim Harbaugh would be like, I have a prediction to what Jim Harbaugh is going to do. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's like, a really good point. No, I mean, that's nobody, a really good point. Nobody except an agent would have the hubris to predict anything Jim Harbaugh would do. So, um, yeah, it's the agent, and I don't really lend that any credence. I I understand that someone told Bruce Feldman this, and I understand that he reported it. I think it's bad judgment for him to report it because it's clearly a guy with a vested interest in having this out there. And I can't think of anybody else who it could possibly be. Yeah, yeah, definitely not anyone in his immediate circle. I agree with that. I, I can tell you this with extreme confidence, extreme, extreme. I can't have a stronger gut feeling at all when I say it's not Jim Harbaugh putting it out there. Mm -hmm. I can say that unequivocally that it's not him putting it out there. So now I'm also not going to sit here and promise you Guarantee I can't guarantee you that he's gonna be the coach next year if he if he can't guarantee it, right? But I can say that I think it is extremely is. likely. I think he's being sincere when he talks about, hey man, I'm happier than I've ever been here. Is I think hurting, that is legit. Is it hurting recruiting? That's the because like we just had a class that was eighteenth when Michigan should have been like top five. It, it has the potential to. No, it does it have the potential to, yeah. I think I, I think well, I don't think he owes Michigan being here in perpetuity. I, he he does owe you know the the timeliness of 
the window being open. So there, there does have to be, you know, attention given to, to that. You got to be mindful of that. And does it impact the I bottom mean, line of your recruiting class? You're going to go, you got to go like beeline went where one day watch just shows up on Twitter and says, he's gone. <laughs> and nobody heard anything about it before that. That's the way it's got to go. You got to stop yeah. doing this stuff that looks bad publicly. Not that he cares. Or or if this is the standard now, right? That every year, as soon as this, the season's over, every year we're going to go through this, right? Maybe not having interview with the Vikings, but every year the NFL is going to say things and then Harbaugh's not going to turn it down and you're going to have your agent out there. There's got to be a plan in place. I don't know if it's, you know, if, have, uh, uh, if Tab thrown more now and say look in five years this guy's gonna be the head coach but like have some if you're if like brian's right if you're gonna have a way out if you're not just gonna walk out the door in the last second this is what's gotta be it, there's you've yeah. gotta have a future in place we gotta go folks uh it's been another great mgo blog round table we, we will be back next week talking much more basketball because we have michigan michigan state to talk about and that kind of thing so Looking forward to that. Until then, thanks for watching another MGO Blog Roundtable. And thanks for listening to the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK of the Ticket, the official voice of University of Michigan Sports, Ann Arbor, Accumulus Station.